Thank you for listening to this episode of MESPA Principal Cast, a podcast by the Minnesota Elementary School Principals Association. Welcome, everybody, to the MESPA Principal Cast. And today our guest is Ashley Farrington, who is an associate principal at Wyzetta Central Middle School. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here and be able to discuss education. You know, Ashley, you and I have known each other now, actually for quite a few years, but uh, more recently we've been talking. And, you know, when we're talking about a podcast and discussions to have, you are a new to leadership principal. This is your first year as an associate principal. Last year you were doing a teacher on special assignment. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went from being a first grade teacher to a special assignment teacher to now where you are today? Yeah, of course I can. Um, so um, I, I, my background is I'm from the Bahamas originally and moving here to Minnesota, my biggest dream was to always be in education. And to be completely honest, my biggest dream was just to be a teacher. <laughs> um, and I started back in 2011 in Wayzata. Um, teaching first grade at Sunset Hill, and um, I absolutely love it, and I still love it today. Um, but do, throughout the time there, um, as I experienced different things, one of the things that I was feeling a little guilty about is I was having a large impact on about 20 kids, and that was the 20 kids that were in my class every year. Um, but I started to think about how can I have impact on the greater community, not only kids, but my colleagues. Um, and so I began doing different leadership roles at Sunset Hill. Um, I became the first grade team leader. Um, and then eventually I became our building leader for professional development who, and that person is responsible for working closely with the principal in engaging in discussions about PD and just, just working hand in hand with the principal. I was there at Sunset Hill for about five years and I continued to grow my leadership capacity by not only being involved in leadership roles at the school, uh, but also be taking on leadership roles within our district, um, most notably our district professional development committee, and also working on our district um, committee in terms of how can we achieve the goal of read well um, by third grade. Then I um, got the awesome opportunity to move with our principal from Sunset Hill to Meadow Ridge, which was a brand new school open in 2016. And one of my biggest dreams is always to be a third grade teacher. And so I was able to do that for one year. Um, and opening the new school was a highlight, of, will always be a highlight of my career. Um, Karen was, uh, Karen and I worked together a lot to completing my admin ad hours because Karen was actually the person who encouraged me. Um, Karen Kaplan, many MASPA principals may know her, um, encouraged me to go into leadership and encouraged me to, to think about principalship. And so during the time I started my principal hour, my principal certification, and I, um, I was able to do a lot of my hours with Karen as she prepared for the opening of the new school. So, I, I, pardon me for jumping in for a second. So you had these opportunities to develop your leadership under the guidance of Karen, like so as a teacher, and then it, working on the PD piece, and then from there, she saw more opportunities for you to become a leader. Exactly. I, I would agree with that statement. Um, I would say she she's still my mentor today. 
and she is one of my biggest advocates i feel like um and finding ways for me and just like think about this or think about that or hey come do this with me or work alongside me or what do you think about this and um i think that opened the doors for me absolutely you're right because the next year um, our district implemented this new TOSA role called Student Support Specialist at all at most of the elementary schools, but te definitely the elementary schools with bigger populations um, to support the principals in some of those duties. Um, and the role was implemented to help the, pr the principals in terms of that student piece of it, student behavior and academic. And it's very similar to a dean at a middle and a high school, but I don't think it's a dean role, but really being proactive with student behavior and helping teachers um, helping the principal, helping students and families, um, just navigating that whole student behavior and academic piece. Um, and last year was the first, that year was the first year of the role and Karen again approached me and said, is this something I'd be interested in? I had just completed my admin license and I, at the elementary level, that's probably the most direct way, um, I think in terms of getting that ex leadership experience because I had a lot of leadership roles that year. Um, and so I, I've obviously accepted and I did that for a year um, before and I knew that was going to be probably my only year of doing that because I knew the next step was either AP or principalship but definitely AP first because um, for me I knew it would be important to gain those experience at the time I was 27 years old um, and then I did that for one year and then I began and then I was before I turned 28 is when I started to get opportunities for becoming a principal um, I started to look outside of the district um and surprisingly to me i was um i was surprised at the amount of good feedback i was getting in terms of opportunities in different places um but ultimately i decided on this position in wyzetta um because wyzetta is home for me um and i love it here and i and i'm invested in the work here and i know that we still have a lot of unfinished work to do so this position became available at central middle school and i was appointed that position um and i've done that from the 2018 to 2019 school year and now going into this year this will be my second year as the ap here at central um so yeah that's kind of my journey um it's been a great journey i've learned a lot um and brett you know this a lot better than a lot of people is one of my passions my biggest passion is this equity work and just trying to figure this out and i think that's probably another part of my leadership and why i want to do this is being a person of color being a male of color I feel like I um, I really have a perspective that a lot of our leadership pairs do not have and not bashing anyone but I just have this perspective and I have this passion to really um, help kids who look like me realize that their possibilities are endless and they can be their story can be very similar to my story a, a young male from the Bahamas with a single mother um, who is able to change his trajectory and then and become a leader in these um, in this prestige district like Wyzetta, and my journey is not done yet. I know my goal is to become a principal, and I will do that very soon, and I want right. to be able to um, continue to support kids and teachers. Um, just to go back quick before you go into the next question, I think at the beginning of it, I said how much I love being a teacher, right? And I do. I miss that every day. Um, and one of my biggest goals is the goal that every principal basically tells me is hard to do is be an instructional leader because I do feel like I have some skill sets and as a teacher that I can bring to my uh, my colleagues uh, on my who are my teachers at my school because I do feel like I can support them in that role of getting better for kids. Um, so 
that's kind of where I'm at now and constantly churning and trying to get better. But um, I'm excited about where I'm at. I'm excited to be going in my second year. Our school is headed in a really good direction. And um, it's August, so everybody, every principal is just itching because we have so many great ideas. And now it's time right. to bring <laughs> now it's time to bring those great ideas to reality and really focus on the people because, I mean, we're only as good as our people that we're surrounded by. And that's that's I'm really excited about that this year. So true. And, and, and to go back to what you were saying about, like, the, the being the teacher leader and the educational leader is it really is true about who you surround yourself with. And part of that is... You have to develop the people you are surrounded with, um, and you've already got that mission in mind. Um, you mentioned the equity work, but before I get into some of these questions around here, I want to go back to a point, because you and I have talked about this outside of this podcast, but you had someone who believed in you and then allowed you to develop on your own, but also provided you opportunities. On the other side of that coin, I watched you through Twitter, Seesaw, some other things that you posted, is how you put faith in your students and you show that you believe in them. Talk a little bit about some of the work you did to help develop some of our disenfranchised students, um, but all of our students as well, because you, obviously it's not just about one group of students. But talk a little bit about what you did to develop those relationships and, and build a good culture. Yeah, I think... Um... Within my classroom, the biggest, I think, and I think it transfers into being a leader, we cannot do any work until we have that environment or that have fostered that a culture that just makes everyone feel safe. And so going back to my teaching days, that was my priority. Before we can do any academic work, we had to be able to trust and welcome and make everybody have a sense of belonging in our environment. So we spent the whole first, sometimes two months, that's what we would do. We would spend 30 minutes, an hour, sitting in circles, talking to each other, collaborating. I would, and many people, at times I felt belittled for this, to be honest, um, by some of my colleagues, and I don't know if they intentionally did it, but I would be that teacher spending, the, do, going the extra mile and stay, getting to school early, staying really late, going to kids, afternoon activities, having class after having class special events um every year my class always did a september event outside of school where it was my extra time on a saturday i invited all the families and i made sure every one of them came and we did whether we go to park and have a picnic whether we um go to a play whether we um had some families had a pool that they were able to offer just doing different extra stuff to really build that classroom community and I would spend every day calling every family in September and just connecting, letting them know who I was. I would have opening conferences with them, having them to come in and meet me and let them know who I was. And I got to know them and what our priorities were and how I can support their kids. Because, I mean, before we can get people to trust us, we have to let them know that we're invested in their kids. And this this has become a different level for me. And now that I have my own kid and now that my kid will be walking through this school someday, it's like... We as teachers have to let know, realize that our children are so precious to us, and when parents are passing them on to us, they're that's their like valuable, <laughs> that's their valuable, um, precious jewel basically, and we have to really, yeah, yeah, we have to really show them that. So I think going back to your point, um, that goes to leadership too, and with our teaching staff, with our um, our colleagues, our custodians, everybody, we have to show them. And just their relationship and how much we truly value them 
um, before we can get into any of that work of what we want to do or want to accomplish. Um, and so for me, I always try to just to go back to what I think is the most important thing, just building positive, real, genuine relationships um, yeah. and just developing the community of trust, um, developing a community where people feel like they can approach me and talk with me. Um, I am not a dictator. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a teamwork. I don't know everything, but I can guarantee you that um, I believe that most of my teaching staff will say if they ask me or to do something, I'm probably going to work my tail off to figure out how to do it or what to do it or if we can do it, give them a really good reason why. Um, and and I think people respect that. I really do. Absolutely. Well, and it's like you said, before they'll trust you, you have to let them know you care. And that's whether it's your kids, the staff, anything. It's relationships, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's where it starts. Now, Ashley, you made the jump. So you went from elementary and first and third grade teaching and now an associate principal in middle school. And as someone who taught in a middle school, the kids are way different. <laughs> um, so how have you had to adjust your approach in conversations with kids and how you talk with the adults because they even teach differently? Um, what have you noticed about your skills and how you've had to change uh, to adapt to the new environment? Yeah. I at first, I thought the change was going to be a lot bigger, but really and truly, to be honest, Brett, I don't think it is. I mean, they're just bigger kids, right? Um, yeah. The conversations are a little different. Obviously, a first grader, the right. conversations you can't, I think one of the parts I enjoy, and I didn't realize I enjoyed it so much, the conversations can become a lot deeper. And I, I want to say real, <laughs> if that's mm -hmm. the right word. word. Um, and so I think that piece has been comforting or great for me. Um, but in terms of completely different, I think they're all kids. They're all looking at us. Um, they're looking for us for guidance and support, especially in middle school where everything seems to be turning at a million miles per hour. Um, but they're just looking back in, at adults and being like, how can you support me, right? How right. can I trust you? Um, and one of the things I'm trying, like going into this year, I really want to get that student voice piece back to the uh -huh. forefront. Um, I, at, the middle, at elementary level, I felt like my students always had a voice, and I did that by doing little things where they'd have lunch with me and different things like that. And as a principal, you get so caught up in all the busy work that I think sometimes we forget that. And I, I think in the middle school, they're asking for that too. And so they still want to have lunch with the associate principal. They still want to um, have dress-up fun days in middle school. And we need to do that because, I mean, school is supposed to be this fun place. Um, and yes, the academics are important. I will never say that they're not, but how can we get kids engaged back in that school life? Want them to feel excited about, I want to go to school because it's fun. Um, right, right. And, and talking to kids, that's one of the biggest things because I ask them that all the time. Like, are you enjoying school? And um, sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no. And I'm really trying to figure out, well, I think the answer is no, mostly for those kids who we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. Why is it no? And how can we change that? So going along with that conversation, so, you know, for, for those who don't know Wyzetta, it's a, a, a suburb in the north, northwest of Minneapolis. Um, and I would say, is it, what, 80, 90% white? Um, I would say, no, I think it's more like 60, 70 nowadays. Okay. Um, we, uh, I think that's one of our biggest tasks as a um, 
as a community, our community has just changed so much in the last five to 10 years. Um, where when I first started, that that might have been true, but now it's not. Um, and so we have to continue to keep up with that drastic change in our district. Well, so thinking about some of the some of the small groups you did, whether it was like, I think you had some of the lunch groups and the recess groups. Talk about how you pulled in some of our kids who often can end up becoming disenfranchised with schools. Um, what do you do to bring them in, make them feel connected? And then when they say to you, no, I really don't enjoy school. How do you help lead teachers into creating that environment or helping the kids see that they have value in their school? Yeah, I think I think it, it goes back to um, something that I had to realize early on as a teacher. Um, one of the things that coming into it, I because I'm from the Bahamas, right, and mm-hmm. black people are the majority in the Bahamas, and so coming to Minnesota, this was new to me too. And one of the things I saw myself doing when I was in college at St. John's is trying to seek out people who look like me, and that was difficult at St. John's. Um, right. And one of the things I always did was we would always see us group of people of color trying to sit together in the cafeteria. And I think the same things happens in our school. And why? Because kids are super comfortable with the people who look like them. And so going back to your question, I think it, what one of my biggest goals was to when I did Boys to Men at Meadow Ridge was to give these young men a chance, an opportunity to really just have a group where they can look left and they look right and everybody in the room kind of share a commonality with them because for the most part they were in groups and classrooms where they are the one or the only kid of color in the class and that experience alone I don't think people realize how tremendously difficult or stressful that is on even a five-year-old um, and because they're constantly going when everybody else is just sitting there trying to learn they're constantly thinking about, well, why is this person different than me? Or why is the teacher interacting with this kid differently than they interact with me? And they don't really understand why, and they can't verbalize why why it's happening. But I, I began to see that more, and I saw the need for doing a group like what I've done. Um, and so we would start off with our little lunch groups. Um, I would invite kids, and kids who I've built relationships with, um, kids who, unfortunately, I saw in the office more often, and I we needed to find a way to do something differently and how to in- positively engage them in school rather than having conversations about their behavior. Um, right. And so I invited them. I reached out to their parents, and our number one goal, let's just start with lunch groups. And then we went to doing monthly meetings after school where I'm like, let's get positive community members from outside to come in and be positive role models for these kids. And then we did a summer program. And then we started to go to Timberwolves games and just started to give them experiences that a lot of their a lot of them did not have prior to that. Um, and through that, the families to this day, I walk through um, some of the different communities that these kids live in and they see me there are so grateful. And now a lot of those kids are coming to Central Middle School and um, I already have um, some things in my bank that will help ours help those kids because they will have somebody that they already connect with and i think going in this year i want to figure out a way to do something similar to that similar to what we were doing at the elementary level in the middle school because they still need that so right um it'll be a challenge but i i i'm i'm, I'm i was just thinking on the way here i'm like what can we do does it need to be an after school thing that is it a before school thing but we need to do something where these kids have that common experience with the people that they're in the same room with where they can be them true selves and just feel like I have that support 
and then hopefully those things, the skills that they're able to build up or learn from each other, they can carry into their classrooms when they're in the more isolated situations. So, so it's helping them build those internal, I don't know if it's internal monologue, but it's the skills to know how to handle yourself in situations where you might be uncomfortable. And the, and the hard part is, is that's an everyday situation. And also sharing those experiences that they might be having with their their peers who are having those same experiences and then talking about how did they navigate those things. And again, I'm not saying like anyone is doing anything bad to any of these kids because we have tremendous teachers who do who work their tails off. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that unintentionally some of the environments that us as a school create for certain kids is having a huge detriment on it. We don't even realize it. <laughs> Well, there's there's an un, uh, there's an unintentional bias from from those of us who have grown up in white middle class Christian culture, and and we 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 have good intentions, but not always are we doing right by our by our all of our students, and so that's why you and I have talked a lot about this because it, if we want to grow and really truly serve all students we've got to learn what strategies we can em employ to help our kids. And and so I guess the, my next question then from looking at like your boys to men group or what you're doing now at the middle school, it is you make the connection with kids. How, how have you found it's translated to a classroom teacher or what tools or feedback from the kids have you learned that can help others grow and learn how to acknowledge the kids needs i think that that's a great question thanks for asking and i think some of the one of as a principal you always want to do those informal surveys of your building i think um and i do that when kids come in my office <laughs> and i always ask them who are some of your favorite teachers and why and um and sometimes they give you some of those real true answers and you want to ask them those questions because you figure out what some of the really great teachers are doing that you can hopefully coach other teachers to do. And a lot of the kids I'm talking to are the kids of color. And some of the, one, of the, one of the things that they always come back to that they tell me is those teachers truly care, right? They see through some of the fake stuff and they can see that the teacher is really getting to know them, asking them questions about their families, not judging them, not, co not commenting on, hey, I, I see you have a new grades that must have taken very long. Like, that's not how you get to know a kid of color. Like, truly getting to know them for who they are and seeing them as an individual in these classes. Um, I won't say the teacher's name, but one of the teachers at our school is a name that comes up a lot. And this teacher is always in the hallway, always makes herself available for kids during lunch. Um, she's always willing to sit down and help. She sends the least amount of kids to the office always willing to sit down and have conversations with these kids and her name comes up every time from the eighth graders about the teacher that she, they absolutely love um always able to have that real true conversation with them and talk about hey i see you're struggling today and you want to just tell me what's going on what happened what's wrong and a lot of the times it has nothing to do with what happened at school it's something that happened at home and she's just willing to take that five minutes to have that conversation with them and they trust her um and sometimes we get so caught up on we have all these standards to do and we have these goals to meet by the end of the year and we forget about those real true life conversations that need to happen because kids are walking in our doors with so much baggage every day 
and sometimes they just need to let it out. And we aren't giving them a chance to let it out. And so in turn, they're having misbehaviors in class. They're disengaged with any content. They're just basically sitting there blank and not taking in anything that you might be saying. And so to answer your question, I think one of the biggest things I'm I'm trying to coach teachers to do is we need to stop (laughs) for a second and go back to the basics, whether that's the advisory circle time meetings, restorative circles or something that I think we're going to talk a lot about this year. Um, really using advisory time to get to know kids on an individual level, um, having conversations about race with our kids, um, just doing the extra things, but not extra things because it shouldn't be extra. It should be just part of the what's going on in the classroom culture. Exactly. Yeah. So hopefully that answers your question. It, it does, and it's it well, it's, it's tricky because it's not it's not like handing someone a book or a paper and here's five things that you can do now go do it and everything will be perfect because ultimately it still relies on us developing good relationships exactly just simple things simple little things or and which require time um mm-hmm. and and it's there's some often authenticity authenticity that goes with it too it can't be fake and kids can pick up on that um and kids can see when you're like ask you how am i doing how are you doing and then they can see you thinking about and then the 50 million other things you're thinking about and you're not truly present and there um and they can read on that stuff so um trying to to coach people in that genuine piece of being real and authentic with our kids oh that's that right there is gold because it's the truth in anything and even as as principles Sometimes we might have 18 things on our plate coming from the top. It might be coming from parents. It might be kids. And, but when a teacher walks in your office and wants to ask you a question, and if you're not really paying attention, they see that you're not caring too. So it's, it's translatable to students. It's translatable to all of our interactions. Same with another seventh grade teacher. He, I had many kids approach me about him and saying like, can he move to eighth grade and be our teacher? Because again, he's that teacher taking that extra step, writing kids notes, talking with kids, inviting kids in his class during lunch, um, coming to school early. Kids feel like they can have an outlet, interacting with them in the lunchroom, um, just doing those little simple things that make a huge difference, right? You can create this marvelous lesson, <laughs> this marvelous lesson with all these different parts of it, of pedagogy that you might think is great, but it means nothing if you can't connect with your students. It means zero. Right. It means zero. <laughs> it's it's so true. I think it goes with with everything, but especially our kids who so need us to be the models, to be the ones who show we care. And if everyone was doing it, we would have a perfect system, right? Perfect system. But that's why we're in, <laughs> that's why nobody's perfect, and I, I'm open to that, and I. That's why we're in these leadership roles, because we feel like we're not perfect either, but we feel like we have some ideas that we can um, hopefully um, pass on to other people and help them in those areas. Right. It's it, it's it's like that servant leadership piece is is we, we are here to help everyone else be better. Exactly. On the flip side, I want them to help me get better, too, because I might be a blind. I might have blind spots. And I think that's another big mission of mine is i'm not perfect i don't know everything either and i want you to challenge me i want you to ask me why am i doing certain things 
I want you to give me ideas. I want you to pass me text. I want you to send kids to me to talk to me. I want that part of it too because I'm also learning. And I think as a leader, we have to show teachers that we're learning just as much as they're learning, students that we're learning just as much as they're learning, and we're all in this together, right? Um, yeah. Our world is in a critical, critical spot right now. And if we don't get back to that collaboration and that teamwork, we're going to continue going down that downward spiral that it seems to be going right now. We have to work together. We have to show show kids, especially examples that community, true community, does exist, um, and we can work together to do that. Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit because you and I have talked about this several times um, about the affinity group and looking at our our, our leaders of color. And, and really in Minnesota, how disproportionate it is. Um, so you had somebody who kind of, who, who believed in you, who gave you opportunities. And so it was a natural way for you to, to move up into leadership. Can you talk a little bit about the affinity group and your thoughts on how do we continue to develop leaders of all types um, for Minnesota? Yeah, I think the affinity group is, um something that I was, I joined as a member in the Metro. Um, and uh, it, I think they sent it to most people of color in the district. Um, and I went one time back in 2017, I believe. Um, and I sat there and I'm like, we need this in Wyzata. <laughs> um, and it's simple. It's just, again, going back to what we talked about early in the podcast, just like kids need that, those, those people who look like them to be able to sit in the same room and have those real true conversations adults and teachers do too <laughs> um and so i approach our direct executive director of human resource about it and she's like absolutely um because one of the biggest things in why that we're trying to figure out is not only how we recruit teachers of color but how do we retain teachers of color and i think every not only why that but every school district in minnesota is probably doing the same thing right because we all know research out there and we can say this a million times says kids learn best from people who look like them um <laughs> And um, meanwhile, in Minnesota, we have probably the lowest percentage of teachers of color in the entire country, but we have the highest achievement gap. So there may be an answer to our problem out there, and that might be by growing our own, growing teachers of color into the profession and eventually leader, leadership roles. And so the affinity group role is just that, is creating a space for people to share common experiences with each other. Um, and so I went to the Metro, we started out in Wyzetta, going into now year two, three of it actually, um, and it's been going good. Our group meets four times a year, we have socials and just different things, and we just connect with each other. Um, in fact, our affinity group was able to devise a new equity plan for our district going into the school year, um, and we were able to hire an equity facilitator going into the school year, and so I'm super proud of the work from the group. Um, our, our work has been noticed by the district and now it's going to a different level and I think it's really headed in the right direction. Um, I think that's that's the affinity spaces for um, people of color is important in growing in leadership roles and I think in within MESPA um, we have to figure out a way to do something like this as well because um, again I, I respect all my colleagues who may not look like me but some of the conversations I'm able to have with um, some of the colleagues that look like me, Akram Ozman is going to be the AP at um, Eden Prairie High School. Um, Quinnell Cooper is a principal over in Intergrove Heights. Um, Xavier Reed um, is a principal, associate principal in Mountain View. These, those leaders um, 
we've started to get together on a monthly basis and just talk. And I mean, those things are powerful. And we're talking about how can we get kids to be a part of our group? How can we bring our group um, to different schools so kids can see us as examples and really grow it? Um, I think that's the way to do it, uh, but it takes a lot of time and it's going to be, it's going to take time over a period of years. And, um, but I think we just have to keep on giving those real life examples so kids can say, I can do that. Because when we think about it, most kids of color experiences, unfortunately, about school is not very positive. So why would they want to go back into education? Um, so most kids of color are thinking, how can I get far away from this place? We need to, <laughs> we need to figure out how can we bring them back? Because for whatever reason, they didn't have a positive school experience. So of course they don't want to be a teacher. Of course they don't want to be a principal, right? Um, right. so we had to change that experience because they go through the system for 12 years, 13 years. Um, and if it's not a good one, I, I, can you blame them for not wanting to be a part of it? Um, no. So, no. You know, it, it, it goes into this, um, you know, last night you sent out a tweet talking about the persistent achievement gap and how our students of color are, are not making the gains of, of their white peers. And it's such a complex question. And when I, when you and I have talked about this and sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting retrospective here in, into some of our conversations is if we have two people who believe in us and say, you can do this, or you would be great at this, kids will tend to strive towards the things that people believe in them that they can do. And then they see that they have the ability and the talent. You, you talked earlier about being at St. John's and not seeing a lot of students who look like you. When, when we're looking at our college prep schools, Okay, and we're talking about teacher preparation. Um, typically, we see mostly white students who are graduating. So is there something that in your personal experience that you've seen that you could say, if we wanted to get more teachers of color into our teacher preparation courses, we could do blank? Yeah, I think um, I saw some really... Um, cool examples, but I think it, it starts within our middle and high schools, and I think even as young as elementary school, just giving kids experiences um, that make them feel like education is the path to go. And I think Burnsville did it, Wyzetta did it this year, where they had, instead, instead of having a typical sign-in day for the athletes, they had a sign-in day for um, people who are going into education. It's a little small thing that I think, wow, why we're celebrating educators now that it's cool to go to college to be a teacher and i think taking it in even a step further is now how can we get some kids of color to do that um because as a principal i'm looking at that i'm scanning those demographics of those people who are signing to be educators and again it's very a small few in fact only one but as a principal i already saw that one person that i said he's going to go into education so in four years i'm going to be calling that one person that i want you to come back and work for my school right <laughs> yeah um and so we have in high schools and middle schools we have to give kids those tastes of education in a positive light and trying to somehow help kids of color realize like hey that's something you can do and have that counselor or that um, social worker or somebody or um a teacher pushed them in that direction like hey take this introduction to education course go be a part of this i don't know colleges start to have some things where high schools can come and just experience it 
Um, I think those, it starts from young, and then districts need to make a commitment and say, okay, you're a kid of color, and you're, or any kid, you're going to go into a four-year um, college, come back and call us in four years, or we're going to help you get through college, and we're going to guarantee you at least mm -hmm. an interview when you come back. You have to start, I think, growing your own programs within your district is one of the ways to go to help with that. That's so true. Good point. All right, so we're we're already past our thirty minutes, but I just want to ask one question. <laughs> Do you have time for one more? We can talk all day about this stuff. Okay, so we were at NAESP this summer at Spokane, and when you walked out of Baruti Cafele's session, you were on fire, just pumped up. Can can you tell everyone a little bit about your experience in that session? I think Mr. Principal Cafelli is exactly what we've been talking about for the past 36 minutes, right? In yeah. that session, he just epitomized the importance of the small things that make the biggest difference. He talked a lot about the attitude gap, not the achievement gap, the attitude gap, and how we as leaders, we're the first line to that, right? Um, and we have this truly evaluate ourselves and in terms of what we're doing before we can make do any good work for kids. He just had, he just has, for me, he just has that same passion that I feel like I have. And it just, it, I don't know, it was just, a, it was just like just something that just ignited me and just like made me ready for the school year. He, I, I can't even like, I don't know if I can even put it in the words what he did during that session, but um, everyone there, you can just felt the energy in the room because he just, for, for for 30 minutes, he just was, actually for an hour and a half, he just took us away from all the busyness and just really sucked us in and really just gave a good message around true, real, authentic education and leadership. And it goes back to building relationships and you as a leader truly reflecting on, is your school a better place because you lead it, right? Are you truly asking right. those questions? Are you truly making time for what's important? And if you're not, figure out how. Um, and that was it was just so great i'm sure i know i don't know how how do you feel about it well i wasn't in that session i was in that other session and you and i met and just when we started talking your energy was so positive and so ready to do something now and i think that's it right there i think his energy is so positive and he makes he just talks about the little things that he does and and kind of goes back to my biggest motto kids need us right and mm -hmm. And he made he made it really clear that kids really do need us, and in the positions that we ha we're in, it's kind of our responsibility to help and support kids and teachers. Um, and so that was huge for me, very huge. Um, I want if I can talk and bring that guy here, if we can get him to MASPA, or I'm starting to think about our administrative color group that we've started. Um, if I can just get him to sit down and have dinner with us or something, that would be a dream because. He just has so much to share. Do you watch his Sunday show? Um, not I wouldn't say every week, but I always follow what he's doing on Twitter. I have, yeah, I have his book. Why is the school a better place? Because he lead it, and he usually posts a blog post like every other week. So I'm always reading it. His latest one was the role of the assistant principal and how it's so misused. And I was just like, wow, that was really good reading. I'm not in a situation like that. I feel like as an assistant principal here. Um, my principal Clark is really good at really preparing me for that next step. Um, mm -hmm. But I can only imagine how many assistant principals are out there just not able to do 
not really getting ready for the next job, just becoming a dean, essentially, right? Right. Almost becoming complacent in the position. Yeah, Principal Caffelli, he's a he's a role model, a virtual role model, I'll call him. <laughs> you know what, though? In, in this this world it can be isolated and sometimes you feel like you're on an island doing your job and no one else really gets it but when you find those connections whether it's virtually or within mespa or however you find that relationship or find a tribe that you that you believe in and they believe in you it makes the biggest difference as a leader absolutely absolutely and i I think it was the virtual world where I was able to connect with so many administrators of color. In fact, this Sunday, we're going to go to the Minnesota Twins game, and we try to do something once a month, and those guys have become, like, my best friends. <laughs> like, uh, awesome. But we, best friends and just people who I truly trust um, and who just are on the same career path as I am, and we're always able to, when I leave there, I leave there, when I leave with the group of those guys, I leave just how I left with Principal Caffelli. And so as principals, too, we have to find those support groups, um, that we, people who we can go to and keep our fire going as well. And um, Akram and Xavier and Cornell and Rich and Dominique, um, those, they just keep it going and they just keep me fresh and we're always pushing each other and we're always actually encouraging each other, like, what are you going to do next? And um, that's been really helpful for me going into my, I'm being an early career principal and thinking about the next steps. You know, it's funny that you say early career principal because you talk like someone who's been doing this for a while. Thank you. <laughs> um, Ashley, I really want to say thank you for taking the time to be on the MESPA principal cast today. And how can people find you? Find me on Twitter. Um, I try to keep it up. During the summer, I'm definitely more involved because so much more time. But once school gets going, it's <laughs> it's hard. Um, but I try to, you know, once a day or what's, what's your handle? Um, Farrington Edu. Um, and that's F A R R I N G T O N. Yep. Edu. And then obviously you can always email me at my work email ashley.farrington at wiseatoschools dot org. Um, yeah, or reach out to me on Twitter, and I will I'll get back. It was funny, I grad, after I left from MASPA, a few principals who didn't get to be there found me on Twitter, and me and this guy from, uh, I believe he's from North Carolina, another principal of color, he called me, he's like, I just need to talk to you. And we started talking, we were on the phone for two hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, just talking about education, talking about some of the good work he's doing at his school. He wanted to hear about some of the good work. And he's like, if I'm ever in Minnesota, I will be at NASAP next summer. Let's get together. And I'm like, Twitter. Oh, my gosh. Like, look at that. Uh, <laughs> so it's great. It's really good. You know what? And that's in, in the world that we're in right now, and there's a lot of negativity out there, is Twitter is also such a place where we can fill each other's cups, connect, share, and, and make it not such a lonely place. Ashley, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation and uh, love hearing what you're doing and can't wait to see what happens in the following year. Yes, I'm excited. Good luck this year with you too, and I'm sure we'll be connecting pretty soon here. Oh, yes, for sure. Well, thanks, Ashley. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, be sure to uh, tweet out the link if you like the, uh, the podcast and share it with others to listen. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.